Well, I have the privilege of uh, proclaiming to you guys tonight what makes Good Friday good. But before we get to that, it's going to get a whole lot darker. The narratives of all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, climax at the crucifixion of Jesus. These uh, Gospels give some details about his birth, very few details about his uh, life growing up, and uh, provide plenty of information uh, about Christ's ministry, but it is still very abbreviated. His, his uh, sermon, his work, even uh, John proclaims that we wouldn't have enough books to uh, fill if we were to recount all the details of Jesus's life and work. But uh, we see in all four Gospels, the action slows way down as we get to the Passion narratives, which uh, take up a staggering amount of space in, in all four Gospels. Tonight, we're going to dive into a Luke's Gospel, Luke's Passion. Uh, watch uh, as we read this passage from Luke, watch to see what he includes and, and what he doesn't include. He, along with all the three other gospel writers, paint a, a far more beautiful picture, a far more compelling argument than just a catchy seven words of Jesus from the cross. So with that, Luke chapter 23 starting with the verse 26. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of the women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that have never bore and the breasts that have never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green... What will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to, to, uh, to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? 
And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. This is the crucifixion narrative. To start off, we are far removed from the first century Palestine familiarity with crucifixion. The, the worst death we hear about uh, would be beheadings. And that is on the other side of the globe, typically. And when you watch the news, it's not like they're actually showing the event taking place. Crucifixion, it, it was invented by the Persians, but in a sadistic sense, perfected as an art by the Romans. It was for criminals, for traitors, for those guilty of insurrection. It was done in public. It was done with a crowd where people could walk by, many times done on the side of a major highway. It was shameful. The person being crucified was naked or or nearly naked, sometimes placed at eye level so the the crowd could look that person in the eye and revile that person. There was little opportunity for the person on the cross to respond except to yell back profanities or to urinate on the onlookers. This was so shameful that uh, it, it was not a death for a woman. If a woman was to be crucified, they would often have her face across as they didn't want to see her face. This was not a death for a Roman citizen, except if guilty of treason. Unlike the biblical account, uh, most uh, others who were crucified weren't taken off the cross. They were left there to be swarmed by flies, picked apart by vultures, eaten by dogs. This leads to the conclusion that this was a godless form of execution. This is not something that religious people would talk about. They certainly didn't wear this around their necks. They wouldn't get this tatted on their arms. The Jews interpreted Moses' pronouncement of the curse of God being on anyone who is hung on a tree. They interpreted it to apply to this, to crucifixion. And it was torturously painful 
to the utmost degree. It was designed to maximize pain and to leave the person alive for as long as possible in as much pain as possible. There's many different ways a person on the cross could die, including asphyxiation as they try to lift up to breathe, uh, hypervolemic shock as the body would lose too much blood. And, and this is the disgusting backyard in which Jesus grew up. Uh, Varys, uh, Josephus t- tells us that around the time Jesus was, vo- was born, Varys had uh, 2,000 crucified to crush the uh, regional outbreaks of revolt in Judea. Jesus was very familiar with crucifixion. The people in the first century Palestine were very familiar with this form of execution. But as we saw in our passage today, there are almost no details about this form of crucifixion. Of course, the people knew what crucifixion was. They didn't need a a class on it. But if Luke wanted, he could have made Mel Gibson's account look like it was G-rated. He had all all the material he needed if he wanted. But he didn't because that was not his focus. So let's look through this passage and see what Luke's real focus is. Um, First of all, we have to see how Jesus is presented by Luke. It's okay. Luke crafts his narrative to portray Jesus as a criminal. Look in verse 32 with me again. It says, two others who were criminals. Actually, a a couple of the oldest manuscripts say two other criminals. But you might say, well, that's heretical. Two other criminals? Jesus, a criminal? Yep, (laughs) and that's probably what some scribes thought too. But but it, it needs no clarification. Luke could have been more specific like Mark and like Matthew were in uh, calling these two others on the side of Jesus robbers. But, But why does he choose the word criminal for them? Well, he is likening these two other criminals and Jesus. Jesus is placed between these two chief transgressors. His Clothes are gambled away. Crowds viewing this as a spectator sport. Rulers scoffing. Soldiers mocking. And this is the place of the skull. How how can you get any more irreligious place for crucifixion? And this is exactly Isaiah's point, as DJ read in 53.12. He was numbered with the transgressors. Jesus, uh, his own words, a chapter earlier, he says, For I tell you, 
that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors for what is written about me has its fulfillment. So Jesus is considered a criminal. Let let that sink in. Jesus is made a criminal. But Luke has made it definitive to his readers through this passage and the whole book leading up that in reality, Jesus is innocent. Jesus' trial before Herod and Pilate highlight Jesus' innocence. Jesus portrays himself in this passage as the greenwood, the innocent, while the sinful nation of Israel is the dry wood. In Jesus' clothing being gambled away, Luke echoes the words of the psalmist that his enemies divide his garments, casting lots for his clothing. That Jesus is this righteous one suffering at the hands of those who hate God. Jesus doesn't revile back at his opponents. They're watching and mocking Jesus. Again, echoes Psalm 22 and the treatment of God's righteous servant that God's righteous servant receives. Jesus forgives and welcomes a criminal into paradise. He meets his destiny in perfect submission to the Father. Again, using the language of the psalmist, into your hands I commit uh, my spirit, he expresses his trust in God as a righteous sufferer. And in verse 41, a true criminal says, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Look again in verses 44 through 48, how Luke's gospel climaxes. And it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus called out with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. The sky knows it, and there is darkness. The temple knows it, and the veil is torn in two. Jesus knows it, and he cries out in perfect unity and submission to the Father. The centurion, this Roman officer, even he sees it. And and the crowds know it and return home, beating their breasts in grief and repentance that Jesus was innocent. This execution was complete injustice. The crowds and leaders act as if they are the righteous ones, but on the contrary, they bear the blame. Jesus is the righteous sufferer. Jesus is the innocent one who is considered 
a criminal. But why does Luke picture Jesus in such a way? Why was Jesus portrayed, treated like, crucified as a criminal? Well, Luke highlights that Jesus was made a criminal for us. That the innocent one, Jesus, was made to be a criminal for his people. You say, well, how do you get to this conclusion? It doesn't say it here in the the text. Yeah, I know. It doesn't have to. That's the beauty of stories. If Jesus was innocent, but treated as a criminal, crucified as a criminal, well then whose crimes is he dying for? He has done nothing wrong. He has committed no crimes, but the guilty, both a few verses earlier, Barabbas, and then this uh, criminal on the cross who's welcomed into paradise go free. This narrative doesn't stop with just giving the mere facts. Good narratives never do. It's designed to help the audience uh, see themselves, identify with someone in the story. So, so who do we identify with? Well, we see ourselves as the true criminals, the ones who deserve to be hanging next to Jesus, the criminals who we would have hung Jesus on the cross to. We are the criminals deserving the cross, not Jesus. If you are not a Christian, here today, you need to know that you deserve judgment. You need to fear judgment. You are guilty. You are a criminal against a perfectly righteous God. There's no hiding the wrongs you have from an all-knowing, all-seeing God. You're not going to be able to spin your situation, make it look like you're in the right No smooth talk will justify you. You are guilty. And and what do you need to do? You need to respond just like this one criminal on the side of Jesus. He's the example in this this passage for us. Not not the religious leaders who you would think, well, shouldn't the religious leaders be the example? Not... Not the crowds, but this thief, this criminal on the side of Jesus. And by making him the example, Luke highlights the work of Jesus, the innocent one. This criminal, he isn't deserving of paradise. Who made this criminal more spiritually discerning than the religious leaders? leads to the conclusion that faith is a gift from God. So if you're not a Christian here today, cry out to God. 
Cast yourself at his feet. Don't come to God trying not to admit that you're a criminal. But come to Jesus like this true criminal in this passage. And Jesus will not refuse you. And if you're here today and you've already done that, remember that Jesus, God himself, was made a criminal for you. He was made a criminal for me. Jesus was made a criminal on our behalf. The innocent one took the punishment we deserved. He did not deserve it at all. And that this should reshape how we live. Why does Luke portray Jesus in such a way? Well, he also highlights that Jesus is victorious. Innocence triumphs. Back when Jesus was arrested in chapter 22, Jesus had told the chief priests, officers of the temple, elders, that this is your hour, the power of darkness. And even the sky got dark. But Jesus defeated the darkness. You're going to have to wait till Sunday for the rest of the story. But even here in Luke's narrative, Luke is clear by the way he presents it that Satan does not win. A criminal next to Jesus on the cross affirms that Jesus is coming in his kingdom, which soldiers mock him as king with a snide description, the king of the Jews. But Jesus is coming in his kingdom This criminal realizes that. And Jesus shouts that he is securing paradise for his people. The final destination for God's people is the resurrection. But even here at this point, we see that Jesus has won the interim state of joy and rest for his people. And just wait to see what he does on Sunday. Good Friday is not good news if you're still trying to justify yourself, feign your own innocence. It is very bad news for you about a God who understands sinners as criminals. However, Good Friday is good if you're trusting in this innocent, suffering servant, this Lamb of God, who was made a criminal for me, was made a criminal for you. And as the innocent one, we know he's, he's going to win. We, we know that Satan has not won the battle, even though an outsider might look at this event and view it from that perspective. We know that Jesus wins in the end. Jesus is victorious, even here.
as he is the innocent one bearing the punishment of criminals. Pray with me. God, help us see Jesus' innocence against the backdrop of our guilt. Help us see, God, that we are the true criminals. We don't like to admit it, but, but we are. We are the ones deserving this crucifixion, not Jesus. He deserved none of the betrayal, denials, mocking, scourging, condemnation, execution he received. God, draw us to call out to him as our only hope and see him as the true king hanging on a tree and see that He isn't going to stay in the grave, but as the true king coming in his kingdom, securing paradise for his people. That Jesus, as the innocent one, will triumph. Help us to trust in that Jesus. And in his good name we pray.